Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Truth to Power with me, Justin Mogg, hosting your weekly community conversation on all kinds of topics in the news, things going on in our community. And this week, we are really excited to highlight some of the people who have been organizing around the idea of a Shively Community Food Park. And this issue is been in the works for I mean, you've heard about it here on Forward Radio. We've talked about it before, but uh, things are coming to a head because this coming Monday, August 15th, the Shively City Council is going to be having a vote about Mm -hmm. this project. And uh, we want our listeners to know about that. We want our listeners to get engaged uh, and perhaps attend at at Shively City Hall on Dixie Highway. It's going to be at 645 on Monday the 15th uh, when this is discussed. Uh, So let me welcome my guests uh, to the studio. I've got them in person and virtual today. Uh, In the studio with me is Haley Arnold, manager of the Hope Community Farm out on Bicknell Avenue, a project of Gate of Hope Ministries. Welcome, Haley. Hi. Glad to be here. Yeah, so thrilled to have you here with me in person. Virtually, I've got in the studio Alex Davidson, who is the Director of Strategic Initiatives at the Food Literacy Project. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, Justin. Glad to be here. Yeah. And my old friend back on Truth to Power again is Letitia <laughs> Marshall from Bear Fruit and Grow Down in Shively. Welcome, busy woman. <laughs> What's going on? Good to see you. Very true. What's up, everybody? You are incredible. Letitia is just uh, doing so much in our community. We're so glad to have her. Um, so uh, tell us about the Shively Community Food Park. What is this place and what is this vision that we all have i don't know who wants to start well i'd say we start with letitia because letitia actually was the one who pretty much recruited both of our organizations she worked with like she knew of our organizations and she like came to us and she's like hey i know you're getting kicked off of your land um there's this gorgeous piece of land that i would really like you all to be in yeah i thought it was i thought it all started with you letitia let's go i know i'm always starting some kind of mess i know it's bad uh but (laughs) no and that's really how it happened um i found out that the food literacy project and gate of hope were you know being displaced Mm. and oh it's such a sad and Mm. frustrating story Mm. you know keep hearing those stories amongst um you know all over the country really uh, as it pertains to urban farming you know um if you lease land you don't own it Mm -hmm. and and even though there may be a written contract Mm -hmm. or some type of agreement it just it anything can happen um, and it was, it was just a, a bunch of factors that played into, uh, this, that really got under my skin. <laughs> and so <laughs> it, it was that piece. And then I had, you know, since 2020, uh, right after the big announcement of the pandemic, um, I had been searching for land myself. And so I had a list, like a good 30, 40 properties on this list. And so I was like, well, if I can't do anything else, I can just share this list. Because there's and, a yeah. there's a lot of like vacant land in our city and in oh Shively specifically, right? But it, th- that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that people who want to grow food can easily access that land, right? That is mm-hmm. correct. And and we know that um, organizations like Food and Neighborhoods, um, the Urban Ag Coalition, 
um, uh, has, you know, working groups where they um, are working on those local policies to make it more accessible, uh, vacant mm -hmm. properties more accessible to urban farmers and gardeners and community uh, gardens. Uh, but yeah, it's just not easy. So anyway, I had this list and I was like, let me just see what they need. Um, and I can share this list as well. The golf course, it used to be a golf course, about 30 acres here in Shively called the Farnsley Golf Course. Um, and it had been, it's been vacant for six or seven years. Mm -hmm. um, I've been a, Sh a Shively resident for a decade and, you know, vaguely remember people actually on the course playing golf but um i do see you know individuals practicing soccer and lacrosse you know they they'll have little things like that uh, but mostly they just mow it and mm. and i was like how dope would it be <laughs> arm some of that land but how crazy could it be if we got these two farm organizations to farm that land because they need land and it's not being used for much else. Um, and so that's kind of how it popped and off. Yeah. Where in Shively is this? If people drive by it on some road? Yeah, on Crumbs Lane. Crumbs Lane. If, if you're coming, uh, I, don't, I don't know which, you know, off of Dixie Highway, Okay. Um, it'll be on your right. If you come off a of cane run, it'd be on your left. And, and this is big, beautiful, open green space. I mean, mm -hmm. gorgeous. And it's Absolutely. owned by the city of Shively, right? It is currently. That is our understanding. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about all. That's about all we know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, which has been one of the most frustrating things about this project. We haven't been able to really find out much information mm -hmm. um, about the land use details. And so those, you know, there's a lot that goes into just uh, picking. You can't just pick a plot, you know, and farm. Um, it, it does take some time and some consideration. And so it, it, it would greatly be, um, you know, beneficial for the city to, to kind of help us out with some of that information. So, um, and, and so we're, we're just hoping that, you know, August 15th, when it rolls around that we can get some participation, um, whether it is a resolve where we can just close out this piece of our lives and move on mm. or we create some resistance, um, some struggle in their minds and their conscience, mm -hmm. you know, uh, to to uh, ask more questions and listen more uh, yeah. to the community and the public about what their needs are. Well, and it's frustrating, I hear, too, because we can't get a lot of information out of the Shively City Council about what other vision they have for this land, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we don't know what the competing proposal is, correct? Yeah, we just know right. that there have been proposals yeah. that have been rejected. Some other proposals have been rejected. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's not there's not a lot of, uh, you know, what are your ideas to this, you know, to our solutions to the problems that we're, we're trying to address with the food uh, park, which is, you know, a lack of food access, um, Shively is a food desert. We do not have any grocery stores within our city limits or in the, you know, outside our city limits. Crazy. Um, and so, you know, I have a car, I can go two miles down the road, three miles down the road and that's fine. But what about those people in mobile wheelchairs that do not have any transportation all and have to walk, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a complex issue and I'm not saying the community food park would solve everything, right, right. but at least we're working towards some, some type of solution. Uh, both these organizations, the Food Literacy Project and Gate of Hope, are incredibly equipped uh, to to help us with, a, you know, that that collaboration would help solve uh, 
um, some of these issues. And so um, I have complete confidence in them. I just I wish uh, Shiley City Council and the, the local leadership here would feel the same way. But uh, yeah, we've, yeah, we've asked them, like, what is it that you want to see on this mm -hmm. land? And there was no unified vision mm -hmm. that we got. Some of them named some different things. And some of them are things that we've put into this proposal that we would also like okay. to see. Um, mm -hmm. But just there wasn't a collective, you know, they were kind of all over the place with different ideas and really didn't seem very sure of any particular vision. Um, they have talked a lot about the plan for Shively that's kicking off right now, and they're in the process of getting community input from Shively residents about what they would like to see. And I believe our understanding is that a vision for that property is supposed to be part of that plan. Oh, um, yeah. But there's not a lot of clarity around like what happens next after we get the community input and oh. what are they going to do with it and any of that. Yeah, so. they were redi redirecting us to that a lot. Like when we first presented it to them, they like just kept like, oh, well, why don't you join this group? Why don't you join this group? So and Letitia is going to be a part of that group. But, you know, we kind of wanted something a bit sooner. Because that's a broader strategic planning process. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, you know how uh, Louisville Metro neighborhoods have neighborhood plans. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Ours is just called a city plan because okay. we're an independent city. And I am a part of that advisory group. And there, there isn't much discussion about the golf course at this time. Huh. It's, they're getting, it's, it's more uh, just gathering information about what, what residents want and don't want to see. Okay. Um, in the hopes to form a plan that will address those comments and some other things, but mostly, um, you know, I've heard residents speak about all the things that we've been talking about as it relates to this food park issue, those solutions, um, you know, can we get programming for youth? What can we do to engage our youth more? They need something to do mm. around here. Um, there's tons of complaints about kids playing basketball in, in the streets. You know, they have their little goals and they play in the street and then they have to move out the way when cars come. And and so if we need to expand the Shively community food or the Shively Park um, area, why would we not, you know, take advantage of this project proposal that includes recreational space, not mm -hmm. just farm space? So um, it just doesn't make sense why this is a not or why this isn't a no brainer for <laughs> that he don't get it. Um, and other leaders, you know, local leaders in the community feel the same way. Um, and so we have tons of support outside of Shively. Um, our, our neighbors are incredibly supportive. Hmm. But but uh, once again, who I don't I don't know. I don't know what what it's going to take or or whatever, but. Yeah, and correct me hey, if I'm we, wrong. We've but... rocked it out since what October? Yeah, October together, and so we're just gonna keep pushing and see what happens. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Letitia, but the citywide plan there's not really a commitment to that, is there? It's kind of like I don't know. You're on an advisory committee, but is there like a commitment for them to actually do what you all want? Oh well, that that we're being told that our input is you know it has to we have to be honest and you know tell every you know the the contractors and 
all these people that this team of people that they've gathered um, to help implement this plan or to, to develop it and then implement it. You know, we need to tell them the truth about what we need and don't need and what we would like mm-hmm. to see and not see. Um, and so they're, they're pursuing it. I mean, we've had, we've had one advisory meeting, one public meeting. Um, and so next is an advisory meeting that date has not been set yet, but, uh, that advisor group is kind of like a steering committee, mm-hmm. you know, and it's made mm-hmm. up of residents of Shively, people that have businesses in Shively, um, developers that have land, uh, or buildings or commercial buildings in Shively, um, um, young people old people i mean it's a it's a nice intergenerational mix of of people which is really good um that are are, come from all walks of life and so i do commend them on on that um there is uh multicultural um aspects of it as well so it's not all white people or all black people or whatever there's a nice mix of that um so i do it took them some time to pick this group. And I really think they thought about it, whoever mm. they is <laughs> that okay. worked together with the mayor to pick this group. So I'm really excited that they, they did a good job. But this strategic planning effort, you said, I mean, they haven't really touched much on the golf course, but have they talked about food production? They have talked about, there is a lack of food access and what are we going to do about okay. it? Everyone mm-hmm. in the advisory group, the first time we met, this came out of their mouth. The okay. food access issue, our homeless, our houseless population has mm. grown in Shively. What are we going to do about that? The youth aspect, we need to engage them more. What are we going to do? These organizations here <laughs> representing <laughs> Food Literacy Project and Gate of Hope can smack all of that right in the face, right? They can mm-hmm. they can handle all of that with the partnership, you know, of, of community members and the city of Shively. I really think we can rock it out together. Yeah. Um, well, but what do I know? I know. <laughs> yeah, you don't know nothing about Shiley. No, no. <laughs> no I want to hear more about the proposal that's going to be before the city council on Monday. So, mm-hmm. what are some of the specifics? Like, are we talking about keeping the land public, for instance? Absolutely. Yes, that's why the na- the word park is in the name okay. of this project that we're envisioning. We want it to be open. Um, So we identified really three primary goals that we have in this project, the first of which being promoting fresh food access, given that, as Letitia said, there's not currently a grocery store Mm -hmm. in Shively. Even some of the ones nearby are closing. Um, We really want to make a difference with that. And then the second one being cultivating community and inclusivity. It's a space where people can come together from across the community Um, And the third one being activating that open green space. It's currently sitting there and it's being mowed. And I think sometimes neighbors walk out there and have a picnic, but there's not really a way right now where people can access it. There's Mm -hmm. not really a parking place there. I see. And and so it is an incredibly unutilized asset that's sitting there right in the heart of Shively. Um, And so we want to help bring it to life uh, with this vision. So we've identified quite a few features that we're imagining being part of this. And those have been influenced by residents of Shively that we've talked with through canvassing and community meetings. Um, So the things that we're hearing that people want to see on that space are some sort of like 
year-round meeting and event space, something like oh, a yeah. community center where people could come together, participate in workshops, host events, things like that. Um, of course, farm fields that both of our organizations would be managing, mm -hmm. um, a demonstration garden or oh, a learning yeah. garden. Mm -hmm. Or a therapy um, garden. Therapy. Yeah, mm -hmm. community garden space. There's a lot of interest from residents, I think. Um, it's also right next to a large apartment complex where people don't have their own yards for growing space. And so I think there's a lot of interest in people just being able to access more growing space for themselves and their families. Um, we've also imagined a nature play area for kids and families to enjoy some sort of splash pad, little water park situation an outdoor classroom and kitchen that could be, of course, used by our programs, but also by other people in the community, potentially mm. um, walking trails throughout the property. So people could mm -hmm. get their exercise and fresh air, maybe with some picnic tables scattered around. Uh, we've talked about a farmer's market pavilion, some sort of big covered space where the farmer's market could live, but also a place that events and stuff could happen. Because there is um, a Shively farmer's market, right? Yes. But it's out, it's out in the parking lot of Shively Hall, right? Yes. 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 Yeah. Managed by the wonderful Letitia. <laughs> <laughs> and Haley now also. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, uh, I think Haley mentioned earlier, some recreational space also mm -hmm. being part of that. We know that there are some sports teams currently that are using part of that property. And mm -hmm. there's plenty of space, I think, for all of these things wow. and even for other mm -hmm. ideas um, that neighbors might have. So um, so when I hear golf course, I might have imagined in my mind of like, ponds and sand traps and forested areas woodlands it's really none of that right it's no, just grass. not that complex actually <laughs> it's relatively flat land right. it's got mm -hmm. a little bit of roll to it here and there but relatively flat and there are several trees scattered around the okay. property we've been mm -hmm. told actually by someone who used to care for those trees um that many of them are getting old and are going to need to be cut down relatively soon um, mm -hmm. but of course we're happy to work around them or help cut them down, whatever needs to happen to make that. Farm. And use the wood chips. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Always many resources yes. right there. Yeah. <laughs> and that was information that we got from canvassing. Cause we had an idea of what we wanted to do. We had a map kind of laid out and then the city council was like, go talk to people, see what they think. And we actually did talk to people and it did change our ideas a bit because at first we kind of mapped it so that we wouldn't have to get rid of any of the trees and okay. then we found out like okay they need to be replaced anyway and then we found out about that space that's being used for soccer and lacrosse and how a lot of people liked it and we're like okay let's let's go deeper in that why don't we put some bleachers on why don't we actually paint some lines for them so that they can actually really use it and move our growing space to a different spot uh -huh. and then we also had uh, the same guy who used to maintain the land he told us where all the irrigation lines used to be. And so we kind of, oh, wow. we changed where we were planning on growing based on where those lines were. So we actually did listen and we actually did change our proposal quite a bit after listening to people. We're talking today here on Truth to Power about the vision for a Shively community food park on the old golf course in Shively that has been 
abandoned, not used for that purpose in, what'd you say, six years now. You can learn more about the project on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com and look for Shively Community Food Park. There is going to be a uh, city council meeting about this on Monday, 6.45 p.m. at Shively City Hall on Dixie Highway. And if folks want to attend, everyone is welcome. If you want to give any public comment and speak, uh, you'll need to sign up between 6.15 and 6.30 on Monday evening. And the meeting starts at 6.45. Uh, you are also going to have like signs and fans available for people who just show up, right? Yeah, just some simple, like, we support this kind of fans. Okay. So... We, we want to keep it public. Mm-hmm. We've got this vision for all these things that could go there. How does this get funded? I wonder if that's like some of the city's like hesitation. Is Do we have a budget number here that they're like sticker shocked about? Or are we thinking about bringing in external funds? We didn't really even get to that because... It- with our meeting, we were still answering the questions that they had already asked us, stuff about what will it look like, the like aesthetics during the winter time, what about vermin, questions that we had already answered, they were just asking again. So we didn't even really get to go into the weeds of like, what's the budget going to look like? What's this potential community center going to look like? Right, Who's going to pay right. for it? Uh, you know, we were only wanting 10 of the 27 acres. Like, do we just own the 10? Do they own the rest? Didn't even get to any of that because... Uh, Kind of a non-starter with them, unfortunately. Well, and I can imagine too that this whole thing could be done in many phases, right? Like this, many we're not phases. A, we're not asking for the moon here overnight, right? That's right. Yes. It doesn't have to be done at once. And 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 actually, the first time we presented the proposal, which was in February of 2022, um, they perked up a bit because the organizations were only asking for 10 acres, and they would love to purchase that. And so mm-hmm. we thought we were like, OK, because and, and some of the comments were, well, at least you don't want all of it. <laughs> so that kind of gets my get, that has my attention a bit. Um, and it kind of lets entertain this a little bit more. But that, other than that, we haven't really even gotten to the meat and potato, you know, just the juicy stuff. <laughs> because there mm-hmm. there is so much concern about things that not that not that they're not important, but it's trivial compared to what the big picture is. And and, and that happens a lot with local government. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it, it um, just across the board, uh, sometimes sometimes I feel like we lose ourselves in these things that don't matter as much. <laughs> um, and and so, yeah, there's there seems to be that constant battle. Um, and, and it really does, it is an art and a skill set to reframe every little comment that they make like that um and i've gotten a lot of practice later but i'm not a pro yet i'm i'm or lately i've gotten practice but i'm, I'm gonna become a pro one day um, <laughs> you're getting but, there Leticia. But, uh, uh, alex everyone has handled themselves very professionally and frankly you know just i mean we've put up with a lot Right. Right. Um, and I feel like but the community is at a place and has been for a long time where they're just tired. They're exhausted. Um, and just, you know, I feel like they're if it doesn't happen in Shively, it's going to happen somewhere. Hmm. Um, I was just hoping that we could uh, we as in Shively could set a precedent, right, a standard, yeah. become leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there have been other projects like like this one uh, that have come like the Cherokee golf course, you know, there was mm-hmm. conversation about 
you know, there's similarities between the two. And and I was like, come on, Shavli, wake up. Like we could do something real. We're right there. Like what you're just just take the leap, you know, where, mm. you know, and um, but for whatever reason, um, this is just not a priority. Um, addressing needs in our community in this way just seems not to be on the top of the list. Hmm. Um, and uh, to add to all of that, we're, we'll have new leadership mm -hmm. in January. Um, and so the mayor currently will no longer be there. She is moving to uh, represent us on the state level. That's what I heard. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and so, you know, okay. Well, I, I, I've, we've dove right into the weeds, which I always do. And we haven't even really talked about these two wonderful organizations represented here tonight and what their, uh, what their mission is and their role. So if we could just take a second and Haley, if you could talk a little bit about this gate of hope ministries, what's that? And what's the hope community farm and why do you need more space to grow food? Yeah. Uh, well, we're a pretty small organization, but uh, the Food Literacy Project and Gate of Hope actually shared a piece of land over on uh, Bicknell behind Taylor Boulevard. Uh, we've been there for seven years. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were, Louisville Girls helped us get established, and then uh, they helped manage it for a year, and then they turned it over to us, and I've been managing it. Uh, this is my fourth year there, so. Um, but we do a whole lot of stuff. Like the ministry focuses on helping the East African community here in Louisville. Because uh, the city of Louisville is actually the, uh, the resettlement fifth, spot, right? Yeah, it's it's the fifth largest in all of the United States. Oh, wow. Yeah, we get a lot of refugees here. And a lot of it is because we have some really good organizations like Catholic Charities of Louisville. And we have Americana that really works with refugees on Southside Drive. And... Uh, those organizations are really good at helping people, you know, find a place to live, you know, start getting government assistance, stuff like that. We do the next step. Like, we want them to really get established and build community. Not just and, surviving, but thriving. Right. right? Like, and work through some of the their trauma. We, yeah. we started focusing on uh, Rwandans, both of our um, directors, the people who established this ministry. They were survivors of the Rwandan genocide in the wow. 90s. And then they came over to the United States. And, um, you know, we, we just really want to serve that community in whatever needs they have. Sometimes that's helping them get their citizenship. Sometimes that's helping translate, you know, at their medical appointments. Sometimes it's having a farm because, <laughs> you know, these people have decades of experience growing stuff in Africa. Yeah. And they just want to grow and they want to grow like they're culturally significant food right so that's something that's really important to them we have 82 growers 82 now. growers wow. 82 and we still haven't found a place for them to grow but yeah we we started with about 50 wow and now we have we have 82 from how many different countries um oh goodness i don't even know <laughs> there i know we have uh some rwandans we have uh people from, from the democratic republic of congo oh, wow um you know just just several east african um, groups there and it, you know the the nationalities change over time okay. depending on you know what what refugees are coming into the city um 
But yeah, 82. And and they are co- collectively farming or they have their individual plots or how does it work? So we have like two parts of our farm. One part is 82 individual plots that are like 20 foot by 60 foot okay. plots. We don't really like to call it a community garden. We like to call it a community farm because mm. sometimes when you say community garden, you know, people get this idea of like, oh, it's a hobby or just something yeah. that help like supplements. But for these people, it's to get food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And food sovereignty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is farming. They have their own African varieties of corn and beans and squash. Right. They grow okra. Some of them also have uh, dabbled into growing some tomatoes. Um, but, and they all kind of like grow the same kind of things. They all work alongside each other. Um, we get compost that's donated. And nice. Yeah, they're, they're out there just working really hard and just trying to feed their families. Um, and we, like one plot doesn't just feed that family. Like a lot of times they're giving it to their friends and their families, their extended families. And uh, we estimate that we probably feed like 600 people. Wow. Out of those. 600 people. It's probably gone up because that was 600 when we only had um, like 70 something. Right, so I'm sure, right. I'm sure it's even more now. And now they're actually to the point where they're selling their stuff. Okay. Wow. So uh, they worked out their own system of selling where they their biggest product is African eggplant. Oh, yum. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's just not something you can get around here. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a system for, they all have a, an agreed on price and mm. a, an agreed on amount where they have different size buckets and like, okay, this bucket can get sold for this much and so yeah. that way there's no undercutting or anything like that yeah. and that started from the ground like they made that uh-huh. they started from the ground up with that cool. and yeah it's it's unfortunate that like right when they're starting to hit their stride really sure is is when we have to move so that's one part the other part is um a csa program so we actually for anyone who doesn't know that's community supported agriculture it's where you have kind of um a share that people buy at the beginning of the season, and then they get a bag of produce. So we have a 22-week-long CSA program. And uh, that's run about on an acre by a team of seven elderly growers. So these are um, ones that they don't speak any English, and um, they're really too old to work in any sort of, like, hard factory job, which Uh really... You know, there's just not a lot of options for them. Okay. Um, a lot of them are in their 70s. Wow. Um, yeah, one of, one of them's 82. 82? 82 years old. Still out there working the land, yeah. though, huh? Yeah. Wow. He's, um, my assistant farm manager, he's, um, I think he's like 78. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and... <laughs> they must think of you as a young child. Oh, oh yes, oh yes. Um, I didn't, I didn't become an adult in their eyes until I had my child, right. and they're like, "Oh, okay, now you're a woman. Now that you've had a child now." Um, and that's just like farming is a part of their identity. And again, they're working through trauma, especially these older folks that you know survived through um, genocides and wars, like. A lot of them have PTSD. A lot of them have like old injuries and wow, stuff. Yeah. And this helps them like work through that PTSD and that trauma and to be with each other because since they're not working, a lot of times, like before the farm, you would have these old people just sitting there in their apartments all yeah. alone because, yeah. you know, their kids are working, their grandkids are in school and they were lonely and they were depressed mm, and wow. And they missed their home. Yeah. So we wanted to to give them at least just a little bit of their home here. Yeah. So, and they've done a great job. Uh, this, 
this past year we had 42 CSA shares. Wow. Um, and this is anybody in the community or is it especially East Africans who are No, members? anyone. Okay. Anyone. Actually, they're pretty much all outside because, you know, CSAs, you know, unfortunately, they're expensive. But, I mean, that's, you know, that's a part of it. you got to pay your growers fairly. Yeah, yeah. And really, I wish we, we could pay them more. They definitely deserve more than what they get. But from that CSA money at the beginning, we're able to get started with our compost, right, with our seeds. Right. And then they have a stable income mm. for the upcoming months. They each get a little bit of that every single month. And then now we actually started producing more than what we needed for the CSA. Nice. And so the the money made from that goes straight to them. Oh, wow. And the longer that we've gone on, the more and more control has been given over to them. So when I first started, I was there every day, 40 hours a week, farming alongside them, trusting their knowledge because I don't know. <laughs> Never farmed before. Wow. Um, and it's very humbling to be like, you know, you have decades of experience. You know way more than I do. Yeah. I I was really just there for what needed English and to lend a hand. Yeah. And to be like, okay, here's here's what is organic pesticide yeah. and here's what's not. And, you know, kind of that like technical stuff. Because, like I said, none of them speak English. Um, for a long time, I didn't even have anyone who could read or write. Wow. Yeah. My wow. assistant farm manager, he can. He can read and write okay. in French. Because he's from that, the Democratic Republic of Congo. So, start. yeah, we use a lot of Google Translate on my phone. Because <laughs> uh, I do not speak French. Wow. I, I've picked up a little bit of Swahili. That's oh, cool. about it. But um, unfortunately, like Google Translate, not very accurate <laughs> with Swahili or Kirwanda, which is the local Rwandan language. Oh, wow. So it's a bit more accurate with French. So yeah. we kind of we stick to the French. But yeah, um, then COVID hit. That was kind of hard. Sure. So we couldn't work alongside of each other as mm -hmm. much and we kind of changed some of our like csa practices and models and then uh 2021 i was out i just had a baby i was on maternity <laughs> wow but that offered a really good opportunity to turn even more control over to them so now we're actually to the point where they don't really need me for very much okay. like I'm, i just do like the emails that go out to the csa members right, right. everything else they they are now in control of wow. like they decide what they want to plant i just get them the stuff that they need wow. and um even now this year they've they've gotten confident enough that the produce that they have extra they will take themselves over to save a lot and drop it off there and then uh, i just send in send an invoice okay so they they have grown so much and have taken so much ownership of this Neat. land. That is good to see, yeah. But we have to leave. We well, are, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> tell us that story. Why do you have to uproot the Hope Farm? The Hope so, Farm? and this applies to the Food Literacy Project as well. We were on a you know year-by-year -year lease. It's owned by the Metro Housing Authority of Louisville. It used to be the site of a housing complex there that got torn down um, because it had just a lot of violence and crime and a lot of the neighbors that I've grown to know and talk to say the same thing. Like there was just a lot of, a lot of bad stuff happened there hmm. and they, they n never wanted to see something built there again. So wow. it sat vacant for a while and then we started growing there and the neighbors were cautious at first. Like they were like, 
what what are you all doing there is something going up there so we had to talk to some of the neighbors and like assure them like no like yeah yeah, yeah we're just growing here these are like east africans you'll you'll see them coming and going yeah um got to know some of them we're even to the point that some of them will like just come up to the property on fridays and just buy some of the extra stuff oh, that cool. we have on our tables yeah yeah this year we've had several people come up and just buy directly from us and I love it. It's so satisfying because, you know, I, I help with the negotiation of prices and then I take that money and I hand it straight to my assistant farm manager. Wow. And um, it's just so satisfying to, like, give him the money in person and yeah. him being like, oh, okay. And uh, he's selling at the Shively Farmer's Market oh, now. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's a neat connection. Okay. Yeah. We have a volunteer with him, again, just to help with the English aspects of yeah. it. But, like, all of the, like, handling of the money. He even has a card reader now. Like, he he does a good chunk of it. He brings some of his own stuff, not just the extra CSA stuff. So, um, yeah, we're, we're really trying to get a place where they can continue to do that. We were hoping to get... Like we said earlier, we wanted 10 acres total. We wanted five acres. Food Literacy Project wanted five acres because we currently operate on about three. Okay, so, so this would be an expansion for you. Yes, because okay. we have a wait list. We, we have yeah. 82 people, but we do still have a wait list okay. of people who want to grow and just want to be able to, to get food. And Alex, I want to bring you in and tell us about the Food Literacy Project and what was happening here on Bicknell Avenue. It was called the Iroquois Farm, right? Like mm-hmm. Astute Ford radio listeners will hear some station IDs from Iroquois Farm, right? Yes, Iroquois mm-hmm. Urban Farm. Yes. Uh, well, the Food Literacy Project, our mission is youth transforming their communities through food farming and the land. So youth development really is our thing and the food and the farming and the land are the vehicles through which that happens. Um, So we offer a variety of programs. The Iroquois Urban Farm had been the home base for our youth community agriculture program for the past several years. Uh, We were cultivating about two or so acres of land out there, uh, growing food for the community, Um, youth were. Um, and during COVID, we actually were able to donate about 2000 pounds of produce a year back into the community, to the community ministries and our other food distribution partners. Um, so that was really powerful. Um, and that program, the youth community agriculture program is both a leadership and an employment program Mm -hmm. for young people, roughly between the ages of uh, 16 and 21. And so they're getting paid for the work of farming and also for engaging in the work of food justice nice. and food systems work in our community. So they're participating in educational workshops. They're connecting with other food system leaders across our community. They're doing field studies. They engage in youth participatory action research to learn more about the local food system and to really start to make an impact. So they've done everything from community surveys and you know participating in these workshops and hearing from leaders um, to also like sharing their voice in a variety of ways. They mm-hmm. last year put together a digital zine, nice. uh, like a magazine that's on the internet. 
And um, that was a really cool way to for them to share the reflections of the work that they had been doing, um, both about the farming they were doing and other urban farmers that they'd connected with. Um, they contributed everything from poetry to research, um, just each of them contributing their kind of unique gifts to that project. Um, in the spring this year, they made a podcast episode that was geared around um, healthy farm practices oh, and sweet. how certain types of farm practices that are common these days can be really damaging to mm -hmm. the environment and to communities. Um, and then this summer, they actually painted the side of a storage crate. We are now farming in a different location. Um, since we were evicted last year, we are now oh. at the Shawnee People's Garden in the West End. Um, so as it's a new space, they created a beautiful piece of art on the storage crate that we have out there as part of their project. Um, so you're you're still farming on, down there? Yes, we we were supposed to leave at the same time as the food literacy project, okay. <laughs> but uh, the Greenheart tree planting project they were using that as a staging area, and they needed that space. And so pretty much the housing authority was like, well, if they're gonna stay, okay, I guess you all can stay. Okay, um, our move out date is this Saturday, the thirteenth. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. this Saturday! What a terrible time. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Moving oh. a farm is really hard. Yes, yes, my goodness. It is such a such a big undertaking. Oh, oh my gosh. And we're talking today about the Shively Community Food Park vision here on Truth to Power on Ford Radio with me, Justin Mogg, my guests. You just heard from Alex Davidson, uh, Director of Strategic Initiatives at the Food Literacy Project, one of the partners on this vision. We've also got in the studio with us Haley Arnold, manager of the Hope Community Farm, and Letitia Marshall from Bear Fruit and Grow. Letitia, so you said right at the start that you were looking for land too. What is your vision for how you could participate in the Shively Community Food Park? I am a connector and an advocate for my community. I live here, so it's not it's it's a little bit bigger than just having a park. Um, my mm -hmm. family lives here. And so uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that we have resources like a car um, to where we can we can go and, and purchase food. Um, food has become more expensive. And so we are feeling yeah. that, um, you know, uh, like everyone else. But but, you know, it's, it's about like this is my these are my people. And um, there are there are other folks in the community just like me that that are standing up for themselves and their families and their neighbors as well. And so just that's, that's it. That's, that's my connection. I, I do not want to purchase uh, pieces of the golf course. Okay. Um, that has come up in conversation. Um, so I do not have an interest in that way, but you, uh, you know, I, we've heard from other local government leaders in Louisville Metro government uh, that have explained that this golf course uh, parcel is a is a huge asset to Shively, uh financially, and I get that right because I don't think God is making more land anytime soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and it is a beautiful open large space um, that has not been developed, and so there are tons and tons and tons of opportunities. Uh, uh, to utilize this land in all kinds of different ways, mm -hmm. but it is an empty asset 
Um, it is not serving the community in any way, form or fashion. Um, the community uh, does not want uh, more buildings um, on this land. They okay. have made that very loud and clear. Interesting. Um, and if there is going to be a building, it must be a community center or some type of multi-purpose facility, uh, but not just housing. Um, yes, I know we're facing a housing crisis or in a housing crisis. Um, we're not going to go there in that conversation, uh, but uh, but but they do not want more housing on, on the golf course. And so there's been all kinds of ideas, like, a, uh, like Haley said before, but nothing set in stone. And, and this has been years and years and years of people coming in front of the city council, um, putting in these proposals, just like us. Um, and, and, and the council's never moved forward with any of them. Wow. So, so I don't know, I don't know what, what's going on or not going on. Uh, but it seems to be like Alex had said before, a very split, split group of people um, mm -hmm. with all uh, kinds of ideas of their own, um, and or um, they're just they're just holding that seat up <laughs> for as long as they can. Um, and I don't I don't really know what the motivation is um, to not talk more uh, responsibly about this project proposal and what it could bring to Shively. But but it is what it is, I guess. So seems um, like a lot of inertia. People just uh, <laughs> no change is good, right? <laughs> yeah. My goodness. It's unfortunate. I just feel so strongly that this is something that would put Shively on the map right? in a really remarkable way. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. no one else in Louisville is doing anything like this, and it could be a resource not just for those of us in the urban ag kind of. Mm -hmm you know, community, but like more broadly, I think it's something that people would come from all over the city and maybe beyond mm -hmm. to attend events there. And, you know, and there is economic benefit to that. And I don't know that that's really being acknowledged or talked about, right. you know, when we've pitched this, but um, I think that's an, that's an important thing that they should be considering and thinking about. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I, for one, ain't riding my bike over to Shively unless there's something like this to bring me in. Come on now. Okay, but a lot of people ain't coming to Shively. We have we have that conversation all the time. There's yeah. not a lot here yeah. that we can offer. Now, the people that have lived here for 30 years, even me, I mean, I it's quiet. It's nice. I live in a nice neighborhood. Mm. Uh, we have, But we have that that uh, reputation of being lively shabbly and that has a negative <laughs> connotation. And I would argue that we are completely like capable of being lively in so many other different ways. In great ways. That yeah. are good and positive. And, and, but, but, you know, we just, once we get the leadership in place, I think, um, and, and just, just challenge them to, to use their noggins and to exercise, exercise some of their, uh, uh, I don't know what the right words are, but their, their power, uh, creative energy. Yeah. 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 Just, just, you know, uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe this will wake them up a, a bit too. And, and then, you know, like, like I said, we have a, a whole new leadership coming in in January. Mm -hmm. Um, there will be new folks on the city council. We will have a new mayor, um, that isn't this currently a city council member that isn't that supportive right now of the park or anything regarding urban agriculture. However, um, um, anybody can change. Anybody can, you know, 
anything could happen. And so I'm still hopeful at the end of the day, the community will figure it out. They are figuring it out. Uh, we see examples of that in West Louisville currently, uh, where the community is just taking matters into their own hands. They're opening community groceries, the Louisville community groceries yeah. going to open soon. Um, you know, Parkland Community Grocery, Black Market, Kentucky, uh, change the day, change tomorrow. So when the people that make up their mind, uh, we can make things happen. So <laughs> now, Alex, so, you mentioned two thousand pounds of food being grown at Iroquois Farm mm -hmm. and, and, and yes. distributed to the community through ministries. I, that made me wonder: it, Does Shively even have a food bank? They do. Yeah, there's a Shively area ministries and, as well, and we've connected with them some too. And part of the vision here is that some of the food grown here in the food park would, would end up there as well, right? Oh my gosh, yes. There's yes. a senior living apartment complex that we just adopted unofficially um, <laughs> last, last farmer's market um, that has a need. I oh, mean, there, really? there are so many different ways to distribute the food, um, not just by CSA, but CSA is one of the models that we want to support both farm organizations with um, if we can do that. Where and um, you know a lot of the the community members have asked for delivery service. Is there oh, a way yeah. for those those mm -hmm. groceries to be delivered? So there there's all kinds of different things. And yeah, I think if we had a real shot at coming to the table and you know this is this is what we need to do. Um, how can we all play a part and 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 really give this a go? Um, that this could rock the world of Louisville Metro uh, as a whole, like really, yeah. not just Shively. So when I think about these kinds of things, food parks, the thing that pops into my mind locally are, are some of our community orchards. Mm -hmm. And I haven't heard you all mention fruit as part of the vision here. So did you just skip that or is it really going to yeah, be in there? Yeah, gosh, yes. I'm, we've, I just skipped it. I'm blue in the face. <laughs> Uh, to the local government leaders here about a community orchard. Yeah. And matter of fact, we wanted the first one to be installed at um, the Wade Braden Peace Park, that uh, which is a piece of land that was dedicated to the two families um, uh, off of Crumbs Lane. We yeah. wanted mm -hmm. that first community orchard to be there. And just like anything else and everything else, it just seems to be put on the back burner. Huh. So, mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah, that would be incredible to have a community mm -hmm. orchard. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's Girls. something we've heard from community members mm -hmm. a lot. Like mm -hmm. the people of Shively want fruit trees. Mm -hmm. And so we're listening to that. We're ready to do it mm -hmm. if yeah. we're given the opportunity. Louisville Gross had presented to the city council. Yes. During one of the meetings that we attended. They presented like, hey, here's the idea. And the comment they got was like, well, what if people steal the fruit? And <laughs> we all just That was an, an honest comment by one of the council members. And he was very, very serious. <laughs> and we've heard it more than once. Community orchard. So there's no stealing. Um, <laughs> that was never growing the food. The yes, food for the people. Was something that we had, uh, the catalyst for that was revitalizing the Shively Community Garden with Andrew Goodman. Um, and myself, um, and we, we had gotten a grant from Louisville Grows to to help us revitalize that community garden, and it's flourishing. It's it's wonderful. Um, all the food is harvested from that garden and given away in the library, the free public library. Nice. Um, so pick up produce there, um, and 
Uh, and so we wanted the community orchard. They they were trying to stick it at the community garden. I'm like, it's the size of a shoebox. Yeah. Um, there's no space. Can we can we have another space? And so that other that park, we would love it to be that location. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So this is such a great opportunity. We've said it many times. Why wouldn't there be tons of support for this so maybe the city council in shively needs to hear from more residents uh who support these kinds of ideas and so that's why we're doing this here on truth to power tonight is to encourage folks to show up on monday uh there's going to be a city council meeting 645 in shively city hall uh folks who want to speak can show up and sign up between 615 and 630 uh, again there's more information about the shively community food park on facebook there's a facebook page for it uh, if you search for Shively Community Food Park. Any last things as we're kind of nearing the end of our time together here that um, we didn't get a chance to touch on? Any other partners in this project or potential partners? Uh, there's tons of potential partners. There have been people, since we have talked about revitalizing the community park and installing that orchard, there have been several organizations that have stepped up and said we would put in volunteer hours, we would donate manure we would donate mm -hmm. compost we would donate boxes we would you know and so and i've presented all of that to mm -hmm. the mayor um and, and and a few of the council members um and so they know who they are uh, but so so i always go with a plan yeah. to where the city the city of shively doesn't have to spend much money or or we can we can upfront the cost um uh, kind of offloaded or whatever mm -hmm. um and so as much as i can in to where they can't object to that mm -hmm. piece mm -hmm. right um they have arp monies <laughs> i requested a quarter of a million dollars for them to invest in the food system here there you go um that that has not been acknowledged that letter and i stood and asked for that that uh request but that has not been acknowledged either so so we have room to grow. There's tons of opportunities. It's just, can we, can we just make that leap? But I'm, again, I'm hopeful and the food literacy project and gate of hope are incredible. The work that they do. Um, and I'm so lucky and so grateful to be working with them, um, just alongside them and, and following their journey as they are like, just coming out of this crazy situation yeah. and still thriving mm -hmm. as organizations and as people and community. It's incredible to watch. Well, thank you all, yeah. uh, Alex and Haley, uh, for everything that you all do and just letting me uh, join y'all <laughs> on, on this crazy, crazy journey. Do we, do we well, want to credit? Your support has been so incredible. Mm -hmm. We could not be doing this without you and are just so grateful for your, your connecting, as you said. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Letitia is definitely our sword in this situation. Okay. Yes. She's the spearhead. She goes after it. <laughs> and did the Urban Ag Coalition, a proud Ford Radio community partner, play a role in this project? Well, uh, yeah. Say so they're they our rally. They rally the troops. I mean, all I got to do is send an email. And the email that I sent goes out to 200 more people. Mm, so okay. Um, they're they're so resourceful. They have come up with tons of ideas for us. I'm believe you me. I do. I have confidence to do what I can do, but I do seek uh, counsel 
from several folks uh, with Food and Neighborhoods and Urban Ag Coalition because they're just incredible leaders as well yeah. in the mm-hmm. community. So if it wasn't for them, I don't know if I would have even taken a shot at <laughs> at presenting this proposal, really. They, they've been incredible, yes. Wonderful. Well, I know our corporate masters are going to steal my virtual guests away from me in just a minute. So before they get zapped, I want to thank Letitia Marshall <laughs> from Bear Fruit and Grow for joining us and for having the vision, for being the sword of a better tomorrow. Uh, thank you, Letitia. And thank you, Alex, for joining us, too. Alex Davidson has joined us from the Food Literacy Project. Good luck with the rest of your work uh, on this project and mm-hmm. out at the People's Garden. I guess you've got a plan B, right? Yes, the People's <laughs> Garden is plan B okay. for now. It is at least mm-hmm. our temporary home. We're hoping to also stay there as we seek out our permanent okay. homes. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you both for joining me tonight here on Truth to Power. I got another minute here with Haley, and uh, we'll see you all in the dirt in the future. Thank you so much, you all. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much, Justin. Good night, you all. All right, Haley. We've got another minute uh, to wrap up the program here. Uh, And I mean, what's going to become of the Hope Community Farm if, if this Shively Community Food Park doesn't happen? The short answer is we don't know yet. We wow. we do have a small property on South Crumbs Lane. Oh, okay. That, um, it's kind of our holdover property because we kind of need a place to put all of our, all of our yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Where is all the stuff going to go? We have two hoop houses. Oh, my God. Yeah, and we actually just moved and put new plastic on them last year that cost $10,000. Yeah, and, yeah, that's and not cheap. And now we got to take them down. And we need a place to put that. So there's just it's just like an acre If that, it's just a small piece of property that another church member, a a fellow Christian, uh, is letting us use for the meantime. But really, it's just mostly for storage and a place to plant our garlic. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) That's easy Um, to grow. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So that that will at least help support our team of seven for the CSA program, because that team of seven is who, like, we really focus on since they are elderly and, like, you know, this is their only source of income. You know, we really focus on them. And so this will allow them to at least do like a reduced CSA program Uh next year and uh, still have some of their own personal growing space on that property as well. But we don't have anything for those other 82. And they've been informed, right? Yes. They kind of knew this was coming. They knew and they planted knowing that too. Good. Because we didn't know that we were going to be able to stay through August until like April, May, oh, wow. something like that. That is late. Yeah. That, yeah, that's when things are planted. And so they had already planted stuff knowing that they could be kicked off at any time. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, and it was it was just kind of like a kind of like a side comment of, of like yeah. someone reached out to us and was like, Oh well, Greenheart is staying there, so I guess oh, geez. you all can stay there too. And we're like, Cool, thanks. And yeah, we I mean, we're stopping the season. Yeah. Yeah. We have to be off by August 30th. So we'll continue harvesting as much as we can Mm -hmm. through August 30th. But, you know, we don't have any fall crops. Yeah. We've had to end our CSA early because usually we go all the way through October. Wow. The stuff that's in the ground will still be producing once we leave, particularly our okra. Uh, we yeah, don't... sure will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okra continues growing through October, and um, yeah, we we sell that to Save a Lot. They're really good. That's great. Partners of ours, that and um, they buy it in bulk. So That's we'll, awesome. we take, I think, uh, like forty pounds of okra wow. every week. Yeah, wow. yeah. It's a it's a lot. They pay us like. 
three dollars a pound. Okay, so, nice. You know, you know, it's a it's a sizable chunk for farming, but there's a high demand for for okra because yeah. there's a there's a lot of people in the area Absolutely. that really want it, and Absolutely. it's not really commercially grown. So. Well, this has been really eye-opening. Thank you so much, Haley Arnold, for bringing this to my attention. Yeah, it was good to see you. And we hope to see you out Monday at 645 at Shively City Hall for the city council meeting about the Shively Community Food Park. Uh, Thanks so much, Haley, for joining me in studio. Stay tuned, everybody. Lots of great stuff coming up here on Forward Radio. And we'll see you next week here on Truth to Power.